I had a Russian beer once. I didn't like it. Yeah, I think had... they're just called vodka. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> vodka. Exactly. Inspired by the adventures of our nurses, therapists, and techs, A Beer with Atlas is the only healthcare-traveling, craft-beer-drinking podcast. Each week, we'll open a few beers, talk about the brewery and the style of beer, and then dive into some research curated specifically for each episode. In the end, we hope each one sounds like a conversation you'd have with your friends while enjoying a few cold ones. Welcome to another episode of A Beer with Atlas. I'm Rich. I'm Brian. And this episode makes me sad. Why? It's the last of our four-part series oh. for Oktoberfest, and I love Oktoberfest beers. Yeah, me too. So, I guess I'll only be sad when it's over. I'm happy now, Yeah. because on this episode, we're going to talk about, and we're going to drink, traditional. The real uh, deal. The real ones, right? Yeah. That's what we. That's what you're telling me. So I, I don't. I know. I can't pronounce the names of the brewery or the beer, so mm-hmm. you know it's it's authentic. And I have a feeling I don't. I don't think I've had either of these. I'm pretty sure I. I don't. I know I haven't had this one. Okay. Hacker Shore. I don't think I've had either, but we'll see. I brought my phone today actually, so I can untap them and check. So we've got two. We have Hofbra October Feast beer. How's that? <laughs> That's how it looks, right? Uh, yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> Hofbra Oktoberfest beer. That sounds better. And Hackershore Original Oktoberfest Amber Marzen. Hmm. Okay, so that one's going to be a little darker in color. Very German. Just from that, yeah. Welcome to the German episode of A Beer with Atlas. Well, yeah. All right, which one do you want to do first? I think we should start with this one. With the Hofbra yeah. Oktoberfest Let's beer. Let's try that one. How, how would you pronounce this, Dolan? You're laughing at me. Oktoberfest beer? I think it's Feist. Um, Feist. Hofbra Oktoberfeist. Boom. Beer. Yeah. That sounded good, Dolan. Good job. All right. All right. Better just... Hofbra Munchen. Munchen. <laughs> yeah. I, once again, thank you, Germany, for all you've done for beer culture and beers in general. So where did we get these beers? So the uh, Hofbra came from our local Hy-Vee. They, had, they have just a big old... You know, stand twelve packs, you know, and all that. There. Oh, look at me! I was I hogged the whole one, and then you that, got you oh, got to split with that. That's okay. Beer. You got more talking to do probably anyway I do. Than, than I do. So, and then the Hacker Shore came from uh, uh, Mike Spee's client manager. This is his favorite Oktoberfest. All right. So he brought us he brought us that one. I think he got it at Costco, maybe. Hmm. I don't know. How Oktoberfest? Yeah. yeah. That's America for you. Get your beer. That, that's why. That's why they don't like us. I guess I don't know. Mm, smells good. It smells very sweet. Okay. I, oh boy. Oh gosh. Here we go. Has you he been drinking he was, already? You knew he was gonna do that. Yeah. So the Hofbra Oktoberfest. That's the first one we're going. Five point eight percent. Whoa. Right. What? No. Nope, wow. Six point three. I'm sorry. Six point three. Wow. Is that a good wow or that's bad a, wow? You'll, you'll see. All right. Hmm. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Tasty. Wow. I. It was like kind of like really mm. sweet at the beginning. I thought. Wow. And then it like karate chopped my tongue a little bit, mm. and I was like, "What?" And then I, yeah. Then it, the aftertaste is nice too. Yeah. This might be rookie of me to say, okay. oh, or amateur of me to say. Okay. 
but um yeah it's kind of sweet up front yeah. and then afterwards it kind of reminds me of the peroni you know what i'm talking about the mm. italian the beer? italian mm. beer mm-hmm. yeah maybe a little bit it has a little bit of that interesting to it hmm i okay so this is not yeah. what i expected at all no sweeter than i thought i expected way more and maybe this is just the americanized version like we've talked about in episodes past right but Mm -hmm. that's what we're used to and this is maybe more of the traditional style maybe maybe do you this is what they make now lighter just smoother but do you think it could be like like we had talked about jose cuervo the tequila when Mm -hmm. we did the tequila barrel aged do you think that they make an American version? Because you picked this up at High V, right? Sure. So yeah, but, do you think? Yeah, but this is made in Germany. Yeah, I though. think I mean, this right. is just how it is now. Huh. I bet you. I don't know. We'll get into it. Yeah, we'll get into it with the research we've got. And but. I know you'll get into this, but right on the right on the label, Munich specialty brewed according to the German purity law. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I established fifteen eighty nine. Yeah, that's pretty old. So let's 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 get into a little bit of my research on this because it's interesting how the two are so very similar. The two breweries are so very similar going way back, but then they're so very different now in how they market themselves. Um, the Hofbra was founded in 1589 uh, by William V. Duke of Bavaria. Sounds pretty. Uh, 1589. 1589. Yep. Is that is that what you got yep, there yep, too? Yep. The birthplace of the brewery and gastronomy. So Hofbra, Hofbra mm. House is the, the brewery, the birthplace of brewery and gastronomy. Today, Hofbra House Bavarian State Brewery in Munich is one of the two still Bavarian-run traditional Munich breweries. Okay. I don't know which one. I couldn't figure out which one the other, one, other was one was, too. No, I have no idea. It might be, because uh, we talked through some of them, like Lowenbrow and Spaten. Spaten. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the other ones. So here's, and this is where they kind of... Where they kind of change paths, where the the one the next one we'll talk about, the Hackershore we'll talk about, is more like this is our history rooted in history. This is where we came from, and Hofbra is more about who they are now and how they take care of the earth and the water they use and the hops that they use and the barley and where it comes from and how they give back to not only their country but then how they give back to the environment and mm. make sure that everything is is still. You know they're 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 obeying obeying the German purity laws, right? But then still being respectful to the earth at the same time. Hmm. I thought it's this was a little interesting. bit more modern, way more modern marketing. Huh? Their their website is a hundred times more modern. Like there was some just just beautiful imagery on their site of like a dude with like super worn hands, like like and the grain kind of falling oh, on yeah. his hands and him, you know, working through it. And then on the hops and they're like on the, the you know, with the pellets, and, uh-huh. and, you know, and rubbing them together and stuff. And uh, I, I clipped this piece out because they talk about each step of the process and, okay. and whatever. But I thought this was fun. The brewing water for Hofbra Munchen, which I assume is their standard beer, I guess. Sure. I don't know. Is no ordinary groundwater. It originates from our own. This is right off their website. From their own deep wells, our well pipes, our well pipes below the brewery runs about 150 meters deep into the earth. We have access to resources that were once left behind in the geological phage of the Teteri, 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 Teteri. Sure. Okay. Sure. In the Alpine foothills, since before the Stone Age, 
This water has been preserved deep below ground and is fresh as it was on the very first day. So like their version of an aquifer. Absolutely. Yes. But they're just drilling as far down as they possibly can to get to this water. Yeah, that's it's surprising if it's still around. Mm -hmm. What, 530 years? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sure. 530 years. Yeah, that's math. I did it. That's a long time. That's a long time. That's a lot of water. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. And sometimes I think if I leave a glass of water out for like a day, I think it's stale and I pour it out. Oh, yeah. Because we're stupid. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, you're right. It doesn't taste the same. Right. It doesn't taste the same at all. Uh, the last little bit on this I thought was interesting was Hofbra Oktoberfest beer is a full-bodied, bottom-fermented specialty beer with its fine hoppy aroma. It's a perfect. It's perfect alongside a classic Oktoberfest roasted chicken. Yep. What's an hmm. Oktoberfest we'll, we'll roasted get there. chicken? Oh, we'll you know? There. Oh, yeah, I know. Oh, hell yes. This I know. Awesome. I did a lot of the research for this. Roasted this chicken. I figured it would be like a lot of sausages and... That's uh, what I thought. Yeah. Mm-mm. It'd be good with uh, sausage and cheese. It and would be. Sauerkraut. And, oh, yeah. All right. Well, Gross. let's get in. Let's do a little bit of this research. Yeah. And this is just about actual Oktoberfest research. Okay. And then we'll do the next beer, and then I have a little bit the you know, the icing research, Sweet. the fun stuff. Awesome. So, um, I kind of just looked into the history of Oktoberfest and okay. like kind of where it comes from and what it is. Um, I did some research on this pattern, the blue and white checker. Oh yeah. Cause I wanted to know why that's on most of the things that we see. Yep. Um, so I'll start with that first, I guess. So okay. that's the first thing I wrote down. It's a diamond pattern and it's called a lozenge. And it dates back to Otto II of Bavaria, who was ruling in that area, so what became Germany, 1206 to 1253. Um, He inherited some land, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, It was called Bogen, and it was on the Danube River. Um, And it was kind of an area where people traveled through, so like trading a trading route, basically, through that part of the town, or the part of the country. Um, He took that blue and white color and incorporated it in his family crest, which is something that we don't do here, but over there, mm-hmm. that was a big thing. Right. So, um, because of that, it was, um, like the sign of the area because he owned so much land and everybody saw it all over and it just kind of became known as what you would see in this part of the country. Mm-hmm. So it, that symbol became, you know, equated, this part of Germany or whatever. So sure. it like just was the emblem of the area. Mm-hmm. And that's just how it had been for 800 something years. Huh. Um, that's not him ringing the doorbell. Come in. Uh, in 1835, the crest was redesigned by King Ludwig the first. Um, because let's see why did I write that down? Because, Oh, Okay. Let me skip back before. So I was saying it became the crest of everything for like 600 mm-hmm. years. Yep. It's because there was also a war, the Napoleonic Wars. Mm. And the Bavarian army had that emblem on their shields and their banner flags and stuff. So it got all around the region. So mm. lots of people would see this thing. 830 years, well, 1835. So 600 years later, it was redesigned. Um, he changed it up, basically modernized it, the crest. 600 years. Yeah modernized it a little bit later as opposed um, to modern marketing where it changes like every couple of years few years yeah okay, there you go. so it took 600 years to change it and the reason it was 
the guy was Catholic, and he was in a very Catholic part of Germany, where normally German is known for, like, Lutheranism. Okay. Um, and they said Bavaria, they basically describe it as this, Bavaria is the Texas of Germany. So it's like its own thing, right? Okay. So right. it has its own culture, um, its own unique way of things. So it's part of Germany, but it sticks out in its own way. So that's Bavaria. Don't mess with Bavaria? Is right. That the, okay, there we go. That's right. It doesn't quite rhyme. No, it doesn't. We'll have to work on that another yeah. 600 years. Yeah. So that's kind of where it comes from. It's just some the rich family that own the area's family crest colors, and that's why it's there. Oh, okay. So boring, but yeah. it makes sense if you it, dig it down. Honestly, it doesn't surprise me whatsoever. That's, yeah. Uh, let's see here. What else did I write down? Oh, something I always thought was interesting. Um, and you can still buy this stuff today, but I wanted to know about um, some of the stuff that they wear. Mm-hmm. So like the traditional, you know, garb. Um, everybody knows lederhosen and yeah. that sort of thing, yep. which is like a, um, I, I don't think leather is the right term. It's not like a polished leather, but it's like suede-ish maybe. Mm-hmm. Is that okay. close? Yeah. It's that kind of material. I wouldn't even know how. Yeah, I guess that's how you'd explain it. Um, there, It's like short shorts with suspenders on them basically mm-hmm. is the best way i can describe it dolan wears that in his band, when his band i think plays. so yeah. you know what's funny always yeah. i have that's that's crazy uh when i lived in uh my first house when i moved out from my parents and i was in college mm-hmm. the guys below us were in a band and they always had house shows and one of the bands mm-hmm. that came to their house and played and i went saw them uh, was a band called the hot carls and their lead singer <laughs> wore lederhosen, and that was it. So he just had the shorts on, and they played a show, and the name was the Hot Carls. So hey. it has been done. That's a great band name. It was funny. <laughs> um, the other thing I found out, and I didn't really realize what this was and that it had some symbolism behind it, um, something called a drindle or a dirndl, D-I-R-N-D-L, and that is the ribbon or sash that the ladies wear around their waist. Oh, okay. So it's kind of like a... Not necessarily a belt, but it's just a decoration piece, right? Okay. So if you go to an Oktoberfest, and this is something you'd see today, and this is true 400 years ago. Mm-hmm. If you wear the, if you tie it on the right side, that means she's married or in a relationship. Okay. And if you wear it on the left side, that means you're single and you're looking. Oh. And in the middle, it basically says, I'm not into anything. Don't bother me. Uh, I just want to drink beer. And if it's on the back... That's basically means she works there. She's an employee, a waitress, oh. or a widow was another thing. Oh. So it was like you, more respect given to the people mm. with the bow tied in the back. Understood. So it's basically shorthand for you to be social with women in this thing. They make it easy. Right. Well, and that's still the history. That's still what it is today. Because drunk dudes are dumb. Yeah. <laughs> and well, they, do, dudes are dumb. Dudes are dumb. Yeah. Drunk dudes even more dumb. Right. And so yeah. you need some help. Okay, so is it my right or your right, I guess? It would be it? on their, on their, their person. So, so if, they, if they wear it on their right side... Then she's taken, spoken for, married, whatever. Left side means... Oh, single looking. Single looking. Yeah. Middle. Okay, interesting. So, that's, interesting. so if you ever see somebody... At an Oktoberfest or whatever, in a movie or whatever, mm-hmm. that's that's what that means. Interesting. Um, this is something I, I mean, you hear about Oktoberfests, mm-hmm. and especially we have them all around here, right? They always, breweries mm-hmm. have little local ones and stuff. The real ones are like legit. Six million visitors a year Jeez. go to Oktoberfest. <laughs> that's in, a ton. In Munich, like in Germany. Yes, like in the, the place where they have it. Man, they, I bet they make a lot of money. Like, yes, just yeah. the one thing a year, like, pays everything. It's like all month long they wow. do this, right? So, wow. originally, it started out 
1810, and it was to celebrate a, a royal wedding. So, like, okay. a princess married a prince or whatever. Sure. October 12th, 1810. Mm-hmm. Because of that, some rich guy was like, you know what? Here's the gift for, that I'm going to give you. I'm going to set up a horse race, and the whole town can come and watch this race. Oh. And that'll be the wedding gift for you. So, something fun to do because, you know, there's no DJs blasting who let the dogs out there's no uh netflix <laughs> right right so there's nothing to do after the wedding except maybe watch this horse race and it was awesome and the whole town loved it and they had a great time next year around the same time they're like hey we want to have a party there's no wedding what are we what should we do yeah so they set up a committee in the town okay. and basically say okay well we want to do the same sort of stuff we want to have a big party mm-hmm. drink beer eat food do that some, and it was kind of also after harvest time. Okay. So it was like a way to let off some steam. So they set up a committee, and then that's kind of how it started um, to this day. So it's in the same places, and it's some of the same stuff. Um, it was privately funded by rich landowners for a long time, hmm. and then it started to become, you know, taxes would go to it, and mm-hmm. a lot of the money that they make would go back into it for next year, that sure. sort of stuff. These people are heroes. Yes. Like like real life heroes. Yeah. <laughs> I think I mean it's pretty cool. That uh, first committee like they should <coughs> um, maybe sainthood possibly. I think. I don't know. I wonder yeah, I couldn't find out who did it or whose names were in it or anything like that. Um but uh 1881 was the first time they had a guy opened a little restaurant there and, it, and all he sold was fire roasted chicken. There we go. So he had it. I was like on a like a rotisserie yeah. over some fire, open fire. Yep. And he cooked them and sold them, and was a popular thing. And hmm. now there's fifty different places that make this, and it's just traditional yep. food. So you get that all the time. Okay. They also had um, booths. They made some carousels. I thought you said something else. Booze? Oh, booze. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> oh, even worse than that? Yeah, well, there oh, you okay. go. They have those things. They have those too. Um, they had, uh, like you see on that beer there, there was a Ferris wheel. Yeah. Um, and then when electricity came in, then they started having like attractions and rides. And it was almost like a carnival, oh. basically. So it was okay. like the town meeting place yep. once a year, huge party. Yep. Uh, in 1910, on the 100th anniversary... They made 12,000 hectoliters of beer, which I don't know what that is, but that sounds a lot. Mm. Hectoliter. <laughs> hectoliter? Yeah. I'm going to do some conversion here real quick while you're talking. And Let's it was poured at, one, poured at one of the tents. Um, How many thousand? How many? 12,000 hectoliters. 12,000 hecto, hectoliters. Okay, yep. let's see if we can get some kind of... Is it is... Good Lord. Hähnchen. What, what the heck was that? Hähnchen. That's how you say chicken in German. Oh. Hienken. Okay. That scared me a little bit. <laughs> it did kind of scare me. 317,000 liquid gallons. That's a lot of beer. That's a lot of beer. That was a hundred. That was in 1910. So I'm guessing it's more than that now. Wow. Oh my gosh. Um, in 1950, the mayor of Munich came and he ceremoniously tapped the first keg. Okay. And that was the beginning of that tradition. So now every year, Oktoberfest does not happen until the mayor of Munich comes and taps the first keg. I want to be the mayor of Munich. So they've done that for, what, 70-ish years now, I guess? 60-something, almost 70. Yep. Um, In 1980, this is something I had no idea about. On on September 26th, somebody detonated a bomb at Oktoberfest. In 1980? Oh. 1980. Like a 
like a terror. Yeah. Wow. 13 people were killed. 200 people were hurt. It was the worst attack in German history as far as not war. Like terror attack yeah. or whatever. But that still stands to this day. But I've wow. never heard of that in my life. Those people are the devil. Who did that? Why would you why It was would you just do some that? German Look, guy. Beer and roasted chicken. Why would you want to bomb that why at all? Why would you want to bomb that? And music and food and all that sort yeah. of stuff. Everything. Fun everything haters. about it. Fun yeah. haters. Uh, let's see here. That's ludicrous. Beyond ludicrous. Um, currently, there are 17 large tents and 21 small tents. That's what fits all the people. And we're talking large tents like. It seats, let's see, what like did I write City down? blocks worth of tents. Um, the biggest tent holds 10,000 people. Holy mackerel. And that's Hofbrau, <laughs> our beer right now. Oh, there that's we go. the biggest tent. Mm-hmm. Um, since 2010 only, have they incorporated any sort of band, live music sort of thing where mm-hmm. it's featured? So it's, they always had like, you know, traditional German style music, mm-hmm. maybe polka-ish, if you can describe it that way. Probably, yeah. But now, since 2010, they've had more current music there, local bands and that sort of stuff. Okay. Just to add more family stuff to do. Yep. Um, I wrote down some of the tents and what they do. Um, there's like a, a tent now that just has wine, so like a wine tent. That's more current thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the Hofbrau tent, like I said, it has 10,000 people. It's the biggest... Um, one and it's also the biggest party and they have um english language stuff there like english like american music okay so it's like the one that most tourists from america go to try to get into makes sense um the bavarian government has a table at this one all the time like reserved like it's there it's like the official tent of the government basically so Hmm. So like when we go to you know Atlas baseball game or whatever, and there's seats for seats or whatever, whatever. It's, yeah. these are reserved, huh. and it looks like it's supposed to look like a log cabin inside. So when you go in there, it's supposed to look like a ski lodge from the mountains of Germany, eh, okay. and uh, it has a bunch of I guess German celebrities go to this. It's like the spot to be. Oh. So like soccer, yeah. well I guess we call it they call it football, but football. whatever soccer. Yep. Actors, musicians, artists, that sort of stuff, models. They're all at this tent, the Hofbrau tent. How did you get a price on it? Like how much it is? Um, it was like a hundred something dollars to get in for the day. Uh-huh. And then you still buy your beer and food wow. or whatever. Holy cow. Um Well, David ha- <clears throat> David Hasselhoff's probably there. He's probably the king. Right. He probably gets it. <laughs> so if you get he probably meet, has his own tent. That's a hundred bucks right there. Wow. So like, like Sam and I are thinking about doing our honeymoon in Europe and we're going to go to Germany. We have a friend there and I'm thinking about actually just waiting till next fall. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, uh, it didn't seem like it was that much money from what I could tell. Mm-hmm. The problem it seemed like was it's, there's not a lot of, it's not necessarily in the town of Munich, mm-hmm. so it's finding a place to stay seemed like that would be tough. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. But some of them have, like, hotels and things in it, or, like, or in the area. There's some, like, bed and breakfast-y sort of things. Like, you could okay. you could find a place to stay. Look, if I'm drinking that much beer, I might as well just bring a sleeping bag with me. You might just be there. I mean, we're talking the big <laughs> liter glasses, too. We're not talking little ones like we're drinking. Right. I remember when I was Dolan's age, and I could just, like, sleep in my car and mm-hmm. stuff. <laughs> and you're like, whatever. And now I'm like, no. It's you all about, bed. like, water pressure in the shower at the hotel, right? I mean, they don't have any, important. like, hostels nearby? I'm not, I don't know. I've seen that movie. I'm not staying there. <laughs> um, 
Lowenbrow has a tent, and it's famous because it has, I wish I, I knew metric, mm-hmm. 4.5 meter animated lion. It's a, like on top of the tent, is what moves around. Meters are, okay, let's, 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 let's do the conversion. <laughs> I think it's about, it's about a yard. Mm, a high. meter is about a yard, right? I, uh, it's only five feet tall. That doesn't seem very tall. That doesn't seem very, let's see. Maybe uh, you're right. I don't know. One Well, meter, a yard's three feet. Right. So if it's four meters. One meter in feet is 3.28 feet. Or one meter is 3.28 feet. Yes. So it's about 15 feet tall. 15 yeah. feet tall. That's a big animated line. That's so you can see it. And every yep. minute it roars and it says low and brow. So that would get old probably <laughs> every minute. If you're, if you're, the, if if you're, you're the tent there. next door, yeah, working, and you just have to hear low and brow every minute. Until you're hammered and it's like, yeah, yeah. low and brow. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was a thing, and it's still there, and it's one of the more popular like photo spots and stuff to of see. Of course. Uh, they do a thing there every year, well, since 1969. Um, they do a whole tent sing-along of Hey Jude. That's like... Really known for that, so huh. it's like a kind of a really? famous thing. Yeah, you got to wonder how that started. Some I don't drunk know. dude was just like started hey, singing it, Jude. and then they started. Yeah, <laughs> basically, God, and awesome. that's how it went through. So na, 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 that's na. some of the stuff I learned about that. Um, but just they have like an official website that I went to. Yep, and it was cool. Just to, just the amount of people. Like I don't even know how you would get a beer. Like when your beer was empty, mm. there was so, and you're sitting on those big long picnic tables, right? Mm-hmm. I don't even know how you'd get another beer. Like they have waiters, and but there was just thousands of people in this little room. Like there's, you couldn't. I would be scared to drink the beer because you'd have to get up and go to the bathroom. Well, yeah. I mean, like I don't even know how you'd get back to your seat. It, it was so packed. The lines to the to porta potties have got to be just ridiculous. Oh, I I would. I think it'd be cool to see it, but I don't know that I'd actually want to go Mm-mm. because it's so jam-packed full of people sure it's like it would be like if you were at memorial stadium Mm -hmm. and you drink a bunch of beer and you're like oh there's one bathroom how do i get there (laughs) i've been there i've done that it's It's not fun is it no that's a mistake it's a mistake i've wrigley field before they did the end of the renovations Mm -hmm. same thing yeah right there's no spot in the trough (laughs) if if you're a guy listening you know what the trough is oh yeah and it was like shoulder to shoulder yeah, that's the most, and then you're looking at a dude directly across from you peeing in the trough too. That's uncomfortable as well. You yeah, o- you almost want to hold it until you're done. Oh, the pee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eyes up. I, yeah, don't no. Yep. Don't yeah. you? It's not that weird. <laughs> oh my gosh! Everybody don't. pees, right? Everybody poops, right? Not in an open air place with a bunch of other people it's watching. Side by side with no. the dude standing three feet across from you. I guess. I'm I'm super comfortable, like just in general with all that. There's still an uncomfortable factor to that, right? There's still <laughs> I like, agree. There's still a stage fright thing that might happen. There. Maybe with a couple more beers, you don't care. But eh, or if you got to go real bad, look, a couple more beers. I'm like I've I've tried peeing in some pretty interesting places. Mm. Oh boy, well, that's a different story. For that's a whole night. podcast. <laughs> places where Dolan has peed. Yeah. Speaking of beers, I could drink a lot of these. Yes, because so good. This is good. Yeah, this is. I I'm so glad we left this till the end because, yeah, we just get that nice contrast between. It's way different than what we drink as American style. So completely October. different. Like the Sam Adams one versus this. Yep. The color is way different. The taste is different. Mm-hmm. The only thing that's similar, I think, is the sweetness at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I think that's the key. They all have to have a little bit of sweetness. Mm-hmm. But then the American has that kind of punch of. That mm-hmm. whatever that is at the Malt, end. Malt, I think. Sure. Yeah. 
So you have reviewed this beer on Untapped before. Ninety nine thousand reviews on Untapped. Where do you think? Not only where I do you have think checked this in. You have one time last year actually huh. at the Casual Pint. Interestingly Man. enough. Wow, I don't remember that. Mm. Three six. So total three six. Three six. Think? Okay. Hmm. What, do you, what do you think? Overall total. Overall total. Yeah. Three point seven six. Dolan was right on three point five nine. Wow! Wow! Right on. Um, you gave it a four point two five. I would. I would stand by that. That's what I would give it. That's what I did too. Yeah, I mean yep. it's really good. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those also where because I was a, a gabbing on there and it, mine got a little bit warm and it still tasted good. Mm-hmm. That's that's a test of a good beer. For I'm me. so happy I bought a six pack of this because then I will enjoy these. Got a couple more, huh? Yeah, at a, at a later date because. Wow. Well, let's get into this one. I, this one's interesting because, like I said, this, the contrast between the two styles. That's such a good sound right there. I, <laughs> I did that on purpose. Yep. <laughs> the name Hacker Shore. So it's H-A-C-K-E-R-P-S-C-H-O-R-R. And I would not have known how to pronounce this unless Mr. Spees told me how to pronounce it. Uh, dates back to the marriage of Maria Teresa, Teresa, I'll go Teresa, yeah. Teresa, Teresa, Hacker, and Joseph Shore in 1793. She was the daughter of the brewmaster Peter Paul Hacker. Under the couple's leadership, Hacker Shore advanced to become Munich's leading major brewery in the 18th century. The first, the first mention of the Hacker Brewery. So this goes back to 1417. So check out the bottle cap. Hacker, Hacker Shore. There's two family crests Munchen. on there. Oh yeah, and the first one says 1417. 1417. So the first mention of the Hacker Brewery, 1417, located on the corner of Sendlinger and Hockenstrass in Munich. I wonder. This is kind of off topic, but still related. Mm-hmm. And I'll have to start paying it a little bit more attention. But both of these beers have listed on here somewhere along the lines of when they started. Yes. Right? So that's like a big thing for these guys. Huge. Like, okay. Well, I'm 15. Mm-hmm. And that one's 14, 17. 14, yeah. Like, I don't, I wow. don't remember any breweries. You know, like, I don't <sighs> think Crosstrain's got 2016 on their label anywhere. No, do no, no. Well, I, I mean. You know. I don't know. Maybe they do, but. Maybe 10 years from now when that. You know, sure. Like, oh, we've been around for this long. I almost want to say Imperian and Lincoln has a date, possibly because they were like one of the the, probably the first in Nebraska, if not the first. Right? I mean, (laughs) they're the first I heard of as far as commercial. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting me interesting to me that that one, this one that we're about to drink, is newer or older. Mm -hmm. Older. It's older, but it has a smaller tent at. Yeah, Oktoberfest, and it's this also just to look at it is darker, way darker. Color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it, interesting kind of how they split, and in so in eighteen twenty, Joseph buys the Bauer Hansel, the Bauer Hansel. Okay. So the original guy buys the Bauer Hansel Brewery and other buildings in the Neuhauser Strasse. So it must be like an area, of yeah, town like or a or county whatever. or something. Yep. Yeah. So he buys a completely separate brewery and they start brewing there. He retires in 1841, gives equal shares to his two sons, George and Matthias, M-A-T-T-H-I-A-S, Matthias, maybe? Yeah, I think that's right. Okay. So George, no E, which is kind of weird. No E at the end. Yeah. Um, So they split. 
and they run the two breweries separately. So one of them is as Hacker, the other is Shore. I guess I don't know, but huh. however, however that Interesting. works. Interesting. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a little foggy on their website, kind of how that worked. But the two brothers, they operated under the same, like they used the same rail system or whatever. And who mm. knows? Maybe they didn't get along. I don't know. Could be, or they had, yeah, different. I mean, it's kind of interesting, but it's also kind of cool that they could both do their own thing, yeah. I guess. They both kind of went their own way, but then they kept tradition with, with German beer making. Yeah, um, They operated independently until 1972. Whoa. So, yes. Huh. Now, not that the dudes, not German, that you yeah. know, George and Matthias were still alive, obviously. Right. No, they're not immortals. 72, wow. 1972, when they merged back together in the modern day Heckershore, a reunification of the Two companies. So I lost my headphones. That was weird for a second. Yeah. Oh, that was me. Sorry, I was leaning on the cable. Good job, Dylan. So, did it say any reason why they came together? Uh, It must have been a reason, a beneficial something. It didn't say. Hmm. It just says they merged back together. Hmm. But then five years, five, six, seven years later, um, they sold to Joseph Schorberger. Yep, that sounds right. There we go. Uh, And he's the majority shareholder now of Packer Shore. German businessman. I wonder, like, it'd be cool to go there to Germany and just mm-hmm. see how prevalent these beers are. Like, yeah. are they everywhere? Yeah. Is this something that we just, I mean, obviously this is going to be different because this is an Oktoberfest and it's a seasonal, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Mm-hmm. But would we just see a regular old Hacker Shore lager? The lager or whatever. Or the, maybe a Hefeweizen. Uh, like, yeah. I wonder if this is like the Budweiser of Germany or this one. I mean, like, mm-hmm. it's interesting to German beers have a, a foothold here, right? Even mm-hmm. in the craft beer world. Right. Like in Omaha, like on Benson, there's um, Barchen, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. And that's all German stuff. And then like um, at, in the basement of Crescent Moon, mm-hmm. they have a German style Uber beer house. hall, Uber house. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with the boots and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's still, it's like a culture that's within the drinking culture of America. Um, and everybody knows Oktoberfest stuff. Right. And some of these names you'll know. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's weird. It's like a bubble in the bubble. Yeah. Because like, you know, or macro beers over the United States, like Budweiser and Miller Lite and that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. And then there's craft beer and then there's like German beer. But there's no other beers that are that I know of that are like that no. here in the United States uh-uh. that are actually like a thing. Uh, no, not not to that level. Not to that. I mean, maybe when you go to like a uh, sushi restaurant, and you get some Japanese beers, right? Yeah, you get. But well, there's Sapporo. no Sapporo and is it Kirin? Singtai stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but there's not no like that. Not bar like that you're going to to drink no. Japanese beer. Uh-uh. Well, there there is a bar to drink Japanese beer here in Omaha. That it's all just Japanese. Yes. What's yeah. it called? So it's um I don't know what it's called. It's like a speakeasy in Benson. Mm. You oh, it's underneath the sushi place. Under, please, it's underneath. Yeah, the ramen place. But aren't they? That's a that's a whiskey bar, though, isn't well, it? Well, they do cocktails, but they have a whole fridge of Japanese beers that you can mm. get there. It's like nine dollars a beer, but yeah, yeah. I tried. Kind of paying for the experience, though. Yeah. There, yeah. Okay. So in Kansas City, mm-hmm. um, there's a great place to go if you like these kinds of beers. Mm-hmm. It's called Casey Beer Co. And it's okay. B-I-E-R, spelled the German way, beer. KC, Kansas City. Kansas City Beer okay. Company. Okay. And it's in, oh, gosh, I'm going to say the wrong part of town, but it's near, I know, oh, boy, I, I'd have, we'll have to fact check that. Okay. I can't remember, the Raytown. I'm pretty sure it's in Raytown, oh. Kansas City, right next to this place called Waldo's Pizza. Mm-hmm. 
which has a great beer menu. Generally, you don't want to end up in Raytown. Probably not, but mm. this is a good spot to be, mm-hmm. and here's why. It's a traditional German-style place. Okay. So you walk in, it's got the picnic tables. Yep. It's got only German-style beers on tap all the time. Okay. So there's like probably eight different kinds of German beers that they make, right? Okay, okay. Uh, and then they have German food. So you're getting spetzel, you're getting mm. sausages, you're getting sauerkraut, you're getting pretzels, you're getting cheese dip. All that stuff is there. Roast, they have Roasted chicken, maybe? Probably. Right. I bet you they probably would. Um, when I was there last, they had a polka band playing tunes. Huh. They have a beer garden outside. Um, it's a, a good brewery that makes good German beer, but mm-hmm. it's craft because it's handmade here in the United States, right? Mm-hmm. And they have started now, I think, bottling some of their beers. Okay. So if you're in Missouri anywhere, you can find some of their lagers. Um, I think they have a Hefeweizen that they bottle okay. and stuff. Right. But if you're in the Kansas City area and you want to experience something like that, that's the place to go. Interesting. So fun. Huh. And it's, it's not a place that... Like what we would go to because we're looking for hops and fruited sours and that yep. sort of thing, yep. stouts. Mm-hmm. But if you want to just drink this kind of stuff, that's where you want to go. Interesting. It's definitely worth, if you're in Kansas City next mm-hmm. time we go, check it out. I think we might. That's because that's interesting. That's way different than because there's a fun beer scene in, and part of it is because of Boulevard mm-hmm. and what has sprung out of Boulevard and, and all, of, all of that around in that area. But Raytown's not anywhere close to that. No, not really. But there's also, I think, Cinder Block Brewing is down in pretty close to that area. There's a couple of other spots that are in in and around that part of town. Mm-hmm. And Kansas City has, I think, oh man, maybe over, over 30 breweries now mm-hmm. in the area. So that's a whole weekend in and of itself if you wanted to do that. But that's one that at this time of year, if you're listening to this and you're in the Kansas City area, go check it out. Interesting. Have fun. It's a when we walked in there last time, it was like it felt like a wedding reception. <laughs> like that sort of everybody knows you party like we don't mm-hmm. care what's going on it's fun when i went there it was really cold and rainy outside and everybody was inside and just having a party it was saturday at like noon yeah it was fun awesome i would i would go back there again man. so i can only imagine like during this time of year then they really embrace that culture oh, that, yeah. that Oktoberfest style yep and, and even more so than maybe on a normal yes. day or yes whatever. i i would think this is the their mardi gras you know what I mean? Or hmm. their their big event of the year is this time in this place. Yep. But it's even if it's not now, like if you can't get there this time, mm-hmm. go anytime you can because it's just it's just different than what you're used to. Interesting. Hmm. So this one, this beer, it's closer to what we would consider, I think, close American style. Yeah. It's still different, uh, but it has a little bit more malty backbone at the end. I think. I, I think. But it still has some sweetness too. It does. It does. It seems like it ends similar, maybe without the punchiness mm-hmm. of an American style Marzen. Yeah. It fades off. Oh boy, there's the test. Jeez. Oh, what, what do you think, Dolan? What do you think about this one? It looks like I poured him too much. Wait first a minute, of all. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess here. I'm gonna guess he likes the first one more. Yes. See, I do yeah, like the first one you more. Know him. Yeah. 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 You know this one. This one's pretty sweet, but like it's sweet, like sweet, or like like sweet, like, sweet, like diabetes, too. yeah, mm, like yeah. that. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it is a little bit. It reminds me more of the last three that we drank, the American ones. Yeah, yeah. understanding what Mike 
Mike Spee's mm-hmm. drinks, like what he prefers, I see why he prefers this one. Why yeah. he buys this one. Like he was excited that this yeah. one was in stores. This one to me has more flavor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it does. Yes, definitely. And I would rank. I will rank this one higher, just for me. Oh, well, that that doesn't surprise me actually. I feel like this one to me was sweeter. Mm-hmm. The first one to me, maybe like a little up bit front, more sweet, maybe a little and bit. less malt to to like chill that out. Mm-hmm. And this one is sweet up front, then it kind of tapers off in a nice way. It like it lingers, but it's not like I just ate a spoonful of sugar or anything mm-hmm. like that. So let's let's uh, we'll skip ahead here and we'll do the we'll do the untaps. Have you, I ever had this one? You let's see, friends, no, okay, no, wow, zero, seventy nine thousand check ins. I was gonna say I don't think I I've ever not, even seen this beer. Yep, zero check ins from my friends on this one, mm. and I only have like a handful of friends on here. But if yeah. you want to be friends with me uh, on Untapped, my my Untapped handle is Sushi X thirty seven. It's what? Sushi X37. Sushi X37. What's the story behind that? That's a whole other story for another time. All right. Sushi X was a, um, I used to, during the early days of the internet, he was a vlogger uh, about, for pro wrestling. Okay. That gives you a little insight into maybe my early days. This was during like my Ameritrade days. Oh, so we're talking way yeah, back. days ago. Way, well, way if you back. want to join me on Untapped, Dolan, you better get yours ready. There you go. Uh, mine oh is is the always sexy Brian Peterson, B R I A N P E D E R S E N. And as of this, I have three thousand four hundred and eighty-one distinct, unique beers, and I will be checking in this one, so I will have eighty-two after this. I mean, you cheers to my uh, when I crossed uh, two hundred. I'm at mm-hmm. two hundred and seven yeah. right now. So yeah, that's a good that's a good one to get. I'm terrible at updating my Untapped. <laughs> yeah, as they know, because yep. one random weekend they'll get like twenty seven <laughs> entries from me. Yeah, um, I just think Dolan's on a bender at yeah, that point. Oh yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but mine is bro, number two, letter U, number two. So bro two U two. He can be your okay. Bro that's as well. pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So seventy nine thousand check ins on the Oktoberfest from Hacker Shore. What I feel like think? it's ranked higher. It is ranked higher, but it's going to be less than a four. But I'm going to say it's a three point six four. Dolan, what do you think? Mm, yeah, three point six five. Mm, three point six nine. Oh. So you're right on. Nice. It's right on. Nice. I think honestly, I don't know. I would. It's the same but different. I'm going to go the same 4.25 on mine. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's, just, I that's would, a damn good beer. Yeah. I would 4. drink 25. this over and over and over again just because I love the style. I love the flavor. It's just, it's just. I think when it comes down to it, we're just sad that they don't make these beers all the time. That's <laughs> Oktoberfest, right? Yeah. And that's why people around here go nuts when it starts hitting the stores because mm-hmm. it's so drinkable and it's so approachable for everybody. Mm-hmm. I love summer, but at the same time, when it turns to August and I go to the store for the first time and I see Sam Adams Oktoberfest, I see that orange yep. bottle on the shelf. Uh-huh. It makes me so happy. Yeah. It's like the pumpkin spice latte for beer drinkers. <laughs> this one? Oktoberfest? Yeah. It could this be. This one. Yeah. I like it because it does, I don't know, It's it tastes good when it's hot outside. Yes. But also it tastes good when it's a little bit cooler. I mean, it, uh, yeah. here where we're recording today, it's 90 degrees. Mm-hmm. But... It doesn't stop me from drinking this no, thing. No, no. So here's the last thing I have some research on today. And you, t- you hear the term Bavaria not too often anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
But one thing you do hear it in, in connection with is, what do you, where do you think I'm going here? Uh, it's food. I mean, it's Pretzels. Yeah. Bavarian pretzels. Yeah. So I did, the re- I did research on the history of pretzels. Mm. And I was going to bring pretzels in, but I'm glad I didn't for two reasons. Okay. One, because you've heard him slurping on the mic. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine him crunching pretzels in the mic? So I was like, <laughs> yeah. nah, that's the main reason. Mm. I was like, no, oh, okay, I'm sure. Not, <laughs> not doing it. So uh, we're just going to talk about them, pretend we have some. Mm. Pretzel was created in 610 AD. That's as far back as they can find Jeez. it. Wow. By some Italian monks who used leftover bread from the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And they basically twisted them together. Okay. And they made the shape on purpose. So you think of your traditional pretzel that you see. Mm-hmm. That when you think of a pretzel in your mind, that shape was made on purpose to, I guess, imitate or look like arms crossed. Oh. For prayer. That's how the people used to pray. Okay. So it has that crisscross at the bottom. Mm-hmm. That's supposed to be arms in prayer. That's huh. how it, what it symbolizes. Interesting. So because of that, they were considered to be like, not necessarily communion wafers, but they were used in a religious way in, in church. And they were thought to be holy and even thought to have healing powers. And now we dip them in mustard. And dip them in mustard and have them with beer. I right? still I agree with all of that, though. All <laughs> yeah. So we're that. talking, what? This is 1,500 years pretzels have been around. Wow. Um, they are now mostly just made with flour and water. That's the style that we have okay. currently. And that was started um, more Western Europe. So okay. Western end of Germany and basically England that sort of place is kind of where they made them um, more, I guess not more currently. That's not the term I'm looking for, but they changed the design of the pretzel basically. More, more traditional then. Like or, like I what mean, we would like consider to be Our pretzel, traditional. What we sure. get, yes. Yes, yes. Because that's what we were kind of brought. So there was rumors that they were brought on the Mayflower hmm. and uh, that they were used to trade with Native Americans because they had never seen that sort of stuff before. Uh, yeah. Nobody had, really. No. So they were. That was a rumor. Nobody can really prove it, but that's what they say. Yeah. What they can prove is that they were brought to the United States in the 1700s, um, and they were brought by German and um, some Italian folks, and most of those people ended up in Pennsylvania. Okay. And the Dutch as well as, as people that made these pretzels. Okay. So Pennsylvania currently is the main spot. So in 1710. They get to the Pennsylvania, these these Dutch folks and the people that make the pretzels, mm-hmm. and they never leave. And that's where I think I wrote it down. Golly, what's the number? I don't want to say the wrong one. Um, it's it's at least eighty percent, maybe ninety percent of all pretzels in America are made in Pennsylvania. Really? Isn't that crazy? That I, I would say I don't believe you, but I that yes. I, wow. It's the third most popular salty snack in the United States. Mm-hmm. Behind potato chips mm-hmm. and tortilla chips. Okay. And then there's pretzels. Gosh. Now we're talking pretzels in all forms, but pretzels in mm-hmm. general. Pretzels in general. So the average person, and Dolan probably is maybe, I don't know, you're a pretzel guy? Uh, I like the big ones. I like the big fluffy pretzels. You like the soft pretzel. The okay. soft pretzels. The kind average, of like a, yeah. a sporting event or whatever. Or yeah. Like, yeah, or like the soft pretzel bites. Hmm. The average person eats two pounds of pretzels a year. Mm, I'm definitely not average in that category. It, I mean, well, you're above average? Above average. Good. Oh, it's always good to be above oh, yes, average. Yes. I'm way below. <laughs> the mid-Atlantic states, 
Okay. So we're talking, mm-hmm. I guess, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, yeah, that sort of stuff. Yep, they're known as the pretzel belt of America, and they average four pounds. <laughs> the pretzel belt, <laughs> great, right? Sure. And I think Pennsylvania falls in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in Germany, they're known as bretzels, b r b r e z e l. And at Oktoberfest, um, you will see a bratfrown walking around, which is a, basically a bread woman. Or a bread lady. Brat found. Uh-huh. Okay. So they will walk around with big, like, loaf. Like a, looks like a bread loaf, but it's made out of pretzel material, I guess you would say. Sure. And that's how you order them. Wow. And then in Germany, also, they have basically a cheese spread mm-hmm. that's traditional with Oktoberfest. So you spread it on your pretzel and you cut it like a loaf of bread. And you cut okay. it like a slice. We see them lately... It kind of has been a fad as pretzel rolls, mm-hmm. fast mm-hmm. food restaurants, yeah. and like even at the grocery store you can buy them, and they're really, they're, I like them. Yeah. I was gonna say I really liked the sandwich that Wendy's put out mm-hmm. with the pretzel buns on the pretzel bun. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm assuming it's something like that, but in a like a loaf sort mm-hmm. of thing. So you're mm-hmm. cutting out a slice of yep. a pretzel, which sounds pretty damn good to me. Yeah. Um, with cheese spread on it. Yeah, mm. and then you put the cheese or mustard. Mm. Um, well, that's not mm, that's yeah. not for me. Sure, but mm. that might be for Dolan or somebody. Oh, but, that's for me. Yeah. Um, 1861. This guy named Julius Sturgis creates the first commercial pretzel bakery in the United States, and he's in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Okay. And it's still around to this day. It's called like Sturgis Pretzel Company hmm. or something like that. So that's the first one where. They're making them on a bigger scale where they're employing a bunch of people to make pretzels. Mm. He's also the first one to make pretzels hard on purpose. So before that, they had been like the soft pretzel and they have a very low shelf life. Like Mm -hmm. you have to eat it now. Right. Right. So he baked them longer and that let him package them and ship them farther away from his bakery. Because they stayed fresher longer. Okay. So he gets he gets to move out from his little, you know, miles around the bakery to now he's going out hundreds of miles with sure. his product. And because of that, he starts selling like a ton of pretzels. Yeah. And he, um, him and his family have owned, yeah, so since then, so 150 years, they're still in business making wow. pretzels. That guy's a hero right there. Right? Yeah. He introduced <laughs> the, the, every bar you go to, for the most part, it's got like the pretzel bowl, you know, pretzel, or whatever. Yeah. 1930s, they were still making them by hand. Wow. That's how mm-hmm. you get the dough, you cut it, you fold it, whatever. Mm-hmm. You uh, the, little, the little whipping thing yep. over and to make it. You do that and you yep. do the tie. Mm-hmm. 1935, the Redding, Pen- the pretzel, Redding Pretzel Machinery Company opens up. Mm-hmm. And they make a machine that basically makes the pretzel in a mold. Hmm. And they can make 245 pretzels in a minute. Whereas a human that's working in a factory yep. could make 40. Now just think about that. 40? 40 pretzels in a minute? In a minute. How do you... You are booking. You you are hauling. And you're doing that for 10 hours a day. Wow. No, thank you. But the the machine can make six times as much. So that's... It takes over. So you're out of a job. So you're out of the job, pretzel roller. 40 pretzels a minute is... Uh, an amazing that talent. is badass yeah <laughs> oh my gosh i mean that's so that's a such a specific movement and yeah. skill yeah but yeah that's crazy to think mm. uh, i did find the number 80 percent of pretzels are from pennsylvania so then i did just a little bit of research on the four like kind of the biggest pretzels or where you'll find mm-hmm. pretzels what you think of as pretzels super pretzel 
is a company that was started in 1970. Okay. And you might not know Super Pretzel's name, but you know what it looks like. Okay. Because when you go to a baseball game or a sporting event or a concert, yep. it's on hanging on a carousel, and yep. it's in a little case, and they're spinning around. That's a super pretzel. My son wants that every single time. I would too. I get it salted every time. Oh, you have to. Maybe even a little extra salt. Oh, yeah. And the jalapeno, like, cream cheese filled ones. They have Mm. cream cheese. What? Yeah, jalapeno cream cheese filled pretzels. You can get them at, did you have them at your gas station? Uh, I've seen them there before. No, no, we didn't. No. Bummer. God, there's just nothing better than just the the big chunks of salt on there. Uh Dipping Mm -hmm. it in the cheese. Yep. So anytime you go to a concert or a sporting event, yeah. that's basically who does that. That's and the super guy, pretzel. Yeah. Okay. The guy that bought the company was in a bankruptcy. And he so he bought it and he was like, you know what I want to do? I want to switch this and I want to make it for events. And that's so that's like really the only thing that I could think of. Um, other than Auntie Annie's. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We had so, those in my gas station. So that's it. That's like the soft pretzel of America, basically. Every, every right? mall at one point smelled like that. You're right. At one of the entrances. Right? And that's mm-hmm. on purpose. 1,500 yep. locations. Yeah. And it started in only in 1988, which is the height of mall culture. Yes. Right? So like yep. when malls were getting built all over the place, they yep. were putting this in there. Everyone had a food court with a pretzel shop. Yes. And now malls have faded away. Yeah. But you can still find them. I guess they have them in like some train stations, like on the East Coast. Okay. Um, like subway stuff, like in New York and Boston and those mm-hmm. places, sorts of places. Um, There's a pretty big one in Minnesota. Hmm. The mall? Yeah. Mall yeah, you're, you're right yeah. about that, Dolan. Mm-hmm. I bet you they have more than one of these in that mall. Probably, yeah. Um, Probably. But they started, and I think they have one at the mall that's over here. By us. Oakview still has. As much as Oakview has kind of died as a mall, yeah. it, they still have an anti I'm pretty sure. And they started making other mm. other things, too, besides pretzels, but that's their main thing. And the pretzel with the hot dog in the middle? Mm-hmm. Good. Right? Man. Pretzels. So, oh. So good. Uh, and then I went through just some of the other ones that would be considered, like, the snack kind of you get in a bag. Mm-hmm. So rolled gold. That's one of the standard main mm-hmm. ones, right? So that was started in 1917. And uh, then oh. it was bought out by Frito Lay in 1961, mm-hmm. and uh, those were those are in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Okay, Auntie Annie's is based out of Pennsylvania. I forgot to say, mm-hmm. uh, and then Snyder's of Hanover. So you those would are, you would not appreciate this, but their mustard pretzels yeah. are that arguably oh, the best pretzels those? ever. Those are so good, <laughs> so good. <laughs> Those are good. Um, oh. Mustard, I don't think so, but I like the jalapeno ones. Ooh. Those are good. Mm. But they're like the crunchiest pretzel. Like yes. Those are the straight up, what they consider Bavarian style. Like mm. almost hurt your teeth to bite them pretzel. I have to go to the dentist tomorrow uh-huh. type of style. Yes. Or you can do like one of my all-time favorite commercials, and I don't know why this sticks with me, but it's okay. a Snyder's commercial. And it's like a kind of like a lady, maybe in her 50s, and she looks... She's like a house mom kind of looking lady, and she okay. has like a big book in her hand. Okay. And she's talking, and she's got one of the big pretzels of Snyder's that you can get. Yeah. And she takes the book, and she just goes, <laughs> smashes in all these pieces. <laughs> and she's kind of talking dirty to the camera. And oh. I was like, ooh, what's this doing to me? <laughs> this is weird. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what's happening, but I kind of liked it. Yeah. Uh, and that was when they started making the Hanover Bites. The chunks, yes. So she was basically saying, this is how we do it. She was kind of like sassy and no nonsense and a and super like, like weird mom. like almost like a librarian looking lady oh yeah <laughs> it was that's a, something to explore later hmm. i suppose after another beer but yeah. uh so they make those and they have like the 
uh, like buffalo ones, I think. But then they have the jalapeno oh, yeah, cheddar, and those are hot. I have some at my desk right now. I thought about bringing those in, but they're kind of spicy. Well, I'm going to stop by your desk later. That's that. So that's in Hanover, which is in uh, Pennsylvania. Pens- and they, in 2010, merged with a company called Lance Incorporated, uh-huh. which makes uh, those Cape Cod chips, so mm-hmm. like kind of the first uh, mm-hmm. kettle cooked chips that are around. Those are good. And then, I guess this, I, I seem to find this is true in 2017 campbell soup bought them out what? for 4.49 billion dollars wow that's Sheesh. a lot of money um and in 2010 when they merged with that lance um place mm-hmm. and it still says on their bag now it's they're shipped out of north carolina so mm-hmm. a lot of it is still made in pennsylvania but then it's sent and packaged and processed and moved out of like charlotte i think mm-hmm. is where it's from lance mm-hmm. makes good peanuts that's what I yeah would them yeah as. yeah mm-hmm. and they they're one of the bigger i wouldn't say independent but they're not free to lay so it's like the next tier of sure snacks oh yeah find. okay i know what you're talking about mm-hmm. so that's that's what i got on pretzels i wished i had some but i didn't i was trying to get a soft pretzel mm. but i didn't i only thought about that about at nine o'clock and we're doing this at nine thirty. you can so. get them for so if you go to dollar tree they sell those soft pretzels 10 packs 10 of them for a buck the Dollar Tree? What, in a the box Dollar or something? Tree. Are they in frozen? In a box. Yeah. Yeah, they're frozen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're actually pretty good. So what we did when I had the band in high school, how we made money was we would just run a concession stand because we didn't have merch. We were too poor for that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And so we would, like, go to the Dollar Tree, and we would find things like that, and then we'd sell them, like, a dollar each at our shows, and it was great. Dolan's an entrepreneur. We didn't even I, know. He's it. a high roller. <laughs> so who? So someone in the band, I assume, had to cook the pretzels. No, no. I had my brothers do that. I had my siblings do that. Oh my god. Yeah. So they ran the concession stand. Yeah. Yeah. It's cheap. Or like it's friends from school labor. who were like, I don't want to pay to get in your show. Like, right. Well, warm up some pretzels. Microwave some pretzels. For yeah. Us. We wow. had like chili. Like we did a, a Halloween show and we did chili in a crock pot. We sold that for like a dollar a bowl. It was great. <laughs> Look at that. Wow. He should be, maybe he should be a recruiter here instead of uh, Yeah, you're on the wrong specialist. end of the table, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> Interesting. The one, the one last piece of information, and I shared this with Brian this morning. If we go back to the Hofbra, um, I didn't bring this up when, when we talked about them earlier. It, you've probably seen, because they have a ton of locations here in the States, the Hofbra House. And this was something you told me, and I, that blows my mind. I never heard of it. I didn't. I've never been to one. Have you ever been to one? I've never been to one. But there are at least, oh gosh, I'd have to go back and look at the website, 10 locations here in, in the States. In Vegas. How, how could you not go to the Vegas, one Vegas? Chicago, Cleveland. Now, some of when we've gone to Vegas every year for, for TravCon, um, some of our some of our recruiters have gone there with nurses before, though. Really? I, yes. I feel like next year, that's that's you got to go there. I think we kind of have to. Uh, what's interesting, though, is they have locations all across the globe, everywhere. There's a location in China. Uh, they have locations in, uh, in in Africa. Like, it's crazy where these different lo- – and they all look exactly the same. It's almost like a theme park. Kind of. Or a chain restaurant. Yeah. Yeah, like a Dave & Buster's kind of hmm. – for you know, minus the video games, but more beer. That's a, I mean, I'm all right with that. Kind of place, yeah. <laughs> but the, the, the one interesting, and I thought this was super interesting, maybe just for myself, but the place where we adopted this, where my son was born, my son was born in, in Russia. We adopted him at 14 months old um, in Russia. So we spent time there in Siberia, in Kamarovo, Siberia. The only location of a Hofra house in Russia is in Kamarovo, Siberia. 
Is which, that a, a big place? It's, well, kind of, But I it's guess. not what I would think of when I think of Russia. No. If I, if you were to, yeah, if somebody were to tell you, like, there is a Hofbrauhaus house in Siberia. You'd say you'd like, Moscow. Mm, yes. St. Saint Petersburg. St. Petersburg. Maybe. Kiev, maybe. Yeah. Somebody like that. No. Hmm. Kimarovo, Siberia. There's a Hofbrauhaus. Wow. Are they, are, they're not all the same owner, are they? Hofbrauhaus owns them all, Hofbra, yes. so it's not, like, franchised out? I don't think so. No, it doesn't yeah. look like that from their website. No, it's pretty that would cool. Be a lot like of installation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say there there'd be a lot of like different business laws you'd have to follow. Oh yeah, you'd have to be an expert. Like Without you'd have to be really good at that. Yeah, but they have what ten ish plus locations here in the states. They have mm-hmm. locations all over yeah. Europe. They have Africa. Like I said, there was one in China. Huh. So it doesn't surprise me that there's it's one in Russia. To get that authentic German, like what we were talking about before, mm-hmm. like that German beer bubble. But that'd be really cool to, to go to one in like Africa or right. China. That'd be crazy. Yeah. To see the, just yeah. like maybe step back into the difference And it's there like a time machine because it's, yeah. it's, when you look at the pictures online of Oktoberfest, if you didn't, I guess the people that work there are dressed up. Yeah. And some of the patrons are dressed up too, mm-hmm. but some of them are not, you know, some of them are in common regular clothes, but sure. it would be, it's almost like a time machine or you're walking through a picture to 300 years ago. Right. It would be kind of cool. And, and I didn't drink a ton of beer when I was in Russia. That was way before my beer time, but the beers I remember there are definitely not this style. Not that. Definitely yeah. not. I had a Russian beer once I didn't like it. Yeah. <sighs> I've I think had, they're just called vodka. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> vodka. Exactly. So, all right. Well, this is the part that makes me sad. Yeah. Is we are, this was our fourth episode with Oktoberfest. I think what I've learned through all of this is there's not every Oktoberfest is equal. Yeah. They're not maybe all created the same. Right. Try them. Try, yeah. Try one. Try a different one. It's so open to beginning beer people or Mm -hmm. beer experts like there's just so much to enjoy and it's we didn't really talk about the german purity law Mm -mm. but basically what it is is you got your ingredients and that's all you can put like you're not adding any adjuncts you're not putting any lactose you're not adding any dry hops it's just those ingredients to make a beer and if it doesn't have that then it doesn't meet the the german purity law and you can't say that it's german german it can't be a regular oktoberfest so and so that's Water, malt, hops, barley, is that? Mm-hmm. Yeast. Or yeast, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah those things. Yep. So it's almost like um, joint commission certification mm-hmm. for us, right? right? Like if we don't meet our certain things, we can't say that we have this. Sure. And that's the same with this kind of beer. If they don't meet that, then they can't, basically they can't sell it as German Oktoberfest beer. Mm-hmm. And for a place like Hofbrau, that would be expensive. That's a big deal. That. That's yeah. a big deal. For sure. So it's it's simpler, but when you when you have those sort of things, mm-hmm. it's easier to find mistakes. Like if you make it wrong, you're going to tell because there's nothing to hide it, right? Right. right. So you have to be good at it, and mm-hmm. that's why these breweries have been around for six hundred, mm-hmm. seven hundred years. Yeah, because they you're know not, how to do it. You're not using vanilla to hide your right. mistakes, exactly. Or whatever, right? Yep. Exactly. And that's kind of the that's kind of the cool thing about this style of beers. Mm-hmm. That they're really hard to make. Gosh, I. They just love this time of year. Mm, yeah. I just love this time of year. Yeah. So, all right. Hopefully next year we'll do another four Oktoberfest for the uh, well, for we, the month of October. And we yeah, we could definitely do that because there's a few more that we didn't get to that are traditional German ones. So. Absolutely. Yeah, we did a fun mix of yeah. four there. That yeah, was we an did interesting mix. So, well, Brian, we're not going anywhere for a while. Let's have another beer. 
thank you for listening to A Beer with Atlas. Special thanks to our brand team for producing the show. Each episode of A Beer with Atlas is powered by Atlas Medstaff, an industry leader in travel healthcare staffing.